Hey, my name is Russ, and you're listening to the Russ Rants Podcast. It's a show about a lot of nothing, and yet a whole lot of something at the same time. It could be about what generally infuriates me, current events, or just whatever comes to the top of my head. Either way, I am excited that you're here with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get on to the rant. Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the latest episode of the Russ Rants podcast. So grateful, as always, for you guys being here. Never take it for granted. And uh, we love the fact that you guys like to tune in every week or whenever I decide to get up in the morning and be able to make a podcast this week. This week has been not long coming. She's been so gracious in being willing to kind of work with me and try to figure out a day that works best. But this is a very special day. Okay, very special. I'm a big fan. And I'm not lying about that. I'm a big fan of, of this human being. She's uh, a marvelous, uh, well, marvelous wife of, of a good friend I grew up with. And she's also herself a fantastic parent and a great human being. I would like to welcome one of my, well, I'm, I'm excited for this guest on our, our podcast is I would like to invite and, and uh, thank Carmen Ross for being on the Russ Rants podcast. Carmen, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for asking. I'm super excited. Yes, and and here here's the deal, everyone. Okay, so you might be wondering, so what's what's the story here? Why, what what what's this all about? Um, Carmen, we have a little bit of history, but not tons. We so I grew up in a city. You guys know this, uh, a city called Medicine Hat. Okay, and where I befriended a Australian Swedish <laughs> Canadian dude um, named Matt, and I actually called him Kostridish because mm-hmm. he's three nations in one. He's a wonderful human being, <laughs> and then. My, you know, Pola and I, you guys know Pola, got engaged, got married, and that's where we were first introduced to Matt's. Now, you were engaged? Yeah. When we got, yeah? Okay. Because, I, I forgive me, I don't remember when you guys got married, but you guys were engaged, and that was when we were first introduced to Matt's fiance, Carmen. And so the first memories Pola and I have, because we were just talking about you the other day, when I said, hey, Carmen's confirmed that she's going to do this podcast with me, is you kind of like, helping oh so gracefully with matt during our photos in like the 37 degree sun oh it was so hot it was so hot and like pull his dress and you like there's this perfect scene where you didn't get the photo obviously because matt cut you out but like you're holding her veil (laughs) back and like you're just it was awesome so we 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 loved you from the very beginning we're like she's so nice She's so, this is so sweet. So, um, again, thank you so much for being on this podcast with me. The reason guys that I asked Carmen to be here today is she has a fantastic uh, social media platform account. It is titled, and forgive me, Carmen, it's This Ross Fam. Is that right? That's right, yeah. This Ross Fam. So T-H-I-S-R-O-S-S-F-A-M, This Ross Fam. Be sure to give her a follow or a like. She's fantastic. Your stories, you're on social media, and you kind of chronicle your journey that you've been on. And today I wanted to actually ask you about your story. For those that don't know, Carmen, you and your husband, Matt, are foster parents, mm-hmm. right? Now, you are also a psychology student, and how close are you to graduating? Um, I will be done my master's at, like, about August 18th is my last day. Oh, um, my gosh, you're so close. Very close, but um, even when I'm done that, there's a, a few more hurdles before I'm actually a psychologist, but I have during that time, I'll be a provisional psychologist. So. But you're so close. That's so exciting. Very Congratulations. Exciting. So a lot of work That's to awesome. get here. So yes. Exciting. Well, and with, and with the kids. So I, I want to ask you, so I'm going to get you, you're going to be put in the driver's seat now. <laughs> okay. Cause these I, people don't know who you are. I kind of know who you are, but I'm, I, I've gotten, gotten to watch from afar the journey that you and Matt have been on. And the biggest thing I want to understand is, so we part ways. Paul and I get married. We don't see Carmen and Matt for a while because, <laughs> you know, you guys went, your, you know, on your different direction here. So mm-hmm. what was the journey? You can go as far back as you want or you can start right when you, you know, decided. But there's obviously always a decision. Foster parenting, to preface, yeah. it's not a light thing. Yeah. You, this, this is not just something you say, you know what, let's do it. You know, what? What took you there? How did you get there first? And then, and then how did you kind of come to where you are now? Yeah. So um, I don't know how much you remember, but the way Matthew and I got together was super unconventional. We stumbled across each other on Facebook and uh, actually like 
basically dated online for several months because he was overseas at the time. So, right. I remember a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically from the get-go, um, our entire relationship was really driven by um, following Jesus and and listening to the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of how our whole relationship and marriage has been. Um, so yeah, we got married uh, almost a year after you guys. Um, okay. And then uh, like I was in school, I was halfway through my undergrad and we didn't really have kids on the horizon because Matthew uh, was from Australia. We had to get, you know, paperwork and everything like, so that right. he was actually staying. So that was definitely right. not something we were going to do for a while because we didn't want to have kids and then him get deported or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny, but yes, yeah. I get it. <laughs> um, and then beginning of my last year of university, my first niece was born and um, that was probably the single most life-changing moment or incident of my life, actually. Uh, Why so? I, I just have this very clear memory of like the moment my brother-in-law sent the picture of her and mm. I just burst into tears and felt just this completely different kind of love than I had ever felt in my life because mm. everybody else in your life, you fall in love with over time as you get right. to know them. And except for, right. I mean, you, the family you come from, you just always love, but you don't remember yeah. when that started. But with her, no. it's like there was this moment where just my heart completely changed and I just, just loved her so much. Um, so I became pretty obsessed with being an auntie. I was really annoying on social media, but like, <laughs> um, no. <laughs> and then later that year, um, we had like a very brief pregnancy scare. Um, but mm. we were both really disappointed when I wasn't pregnant. And so mm. we were like, Hey, like, do we want to start trying? I'm almost done my undergrad. At that point, he had his residency, wasn't going anywhere. So we did start trying and then uh, it didn't work. So, um, you know, those were a few, well, it was about like two and a half years, I think, by the time we switched gears to foster care. Mm. But um, I don't even remember now what the amount of time it was, which speaks a lot to how far I've come from that. Um, sure, but sure. it was a really difficult time. Um, you know, you never really expect that that's where your life is going to go, that right. you're going to, you know, not be able to have kids. Cause that's just something you do. Um, yeah. I think especially as a woman, like it feels like a rite of passage and part of who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. And, uh, even though now I don't feel that need anymore to have kids my own, I still have this curiosity of like, what's it like to be pregnant and what's it like to give birth and breastfeeding and all those sorts of things that like, I just probably will never get to do. I'm more so just like really curious about them. But at that time, um, it was really hard. And, um, you know, as each month as it passes, you're like, okay, it's really adding up now. Like something is not right. quite right. Um, right. and so, yeah, we, got all our tests done and everything and actually did some fertility treatments at kind of the lowest level of, of fertility treatments, which my body did not like. And I did not like, and, um, no, no, I can imagine. Yeah, no. So not fun to have, you know, hormones injected <laughs> into your body. And, no. and the whole time of the fertility treatments, uh, there was about like, I would say six months or so that we had, you know, all the testing in the very first treatments it's an extremely exposing experience. Um, sure. Like literally and figuratively, I was, you know, just kind of naked to a bunch of strangers and yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, laid bare really. And so um, more so me than him, it was just like an extremely vulnerable place to be. Um, and so it was just uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> and then, yeah we kind of gave ourselves a deadline. We were going to do a few of this, you know, very lowest level of fertility treatments. Um, and then beyond that, we'd have to move up to things that were more expensive and harder on your body. And for both of us, it had never been an absolute that we needed to have children biologically. Um, I don't know if you remember. So but... you sort of pause, you, you kind of, when you guys had built your relationship romantically and mm -hmm. you, you dated and, and engaged, you had already kind of had those talks just in the back. Was it in the back of both your minds, like a adoption or uh, adoption? Were, you yeah. Know? We, okay. foster care was definitely not there. Um, 
like, I don't know if you remember, but Matthew's youngest sister or only sister is adopted. Yes. Um, yes. So that's something that's always been in his life. And then for myself, I actually have this very clear memory. I think I was probably in junior high school of um, asking my mom really randomly. I remember the restaurant we were in and everything. I asked her if any of my friends ever got pregnant, if we could take the baby. And she's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? agreed. but I, obviously that was in my heart from the get-go. And actually when Matthew and I had just started talking, one of my friends was talking about a friend of hers that just found out she was pregnant and she had been drinking. And so she was considering an abortion. And I don't, hmm. as far as I remember, she didn't go through with an abortion, but I remember wrestling with it for a couple of weeks being like, should I offer? Like I was, hmm. you know, I think it was just 19 and Wow. I was like, you know, it was that important to me, but then I'm pretty sure she didn't go through with that. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm okay. But I remember thinking like, what am I going to tell, you know, Matthew or any other future guys that are in my life? Like, because we were very, very, barely talking to each other at the time. Um, it was a big life changing thought and obviously didn't go through with it, but it had always been there. Um, it was important to me. Uh, so anyway, we had set sort of a timeline of once we got into the new year, which was 2017, uh, if we were still not pregnant by then, then we would start looking into other options. And I had done some research and, um, the funny thing is like the whole time that things weren't working, even pretty early on, I always said to Matthew, like, if it's not working, it's because there's something better. And mm that didn't really stop me from having like a lot of grief and anger and whatnot when it wasn't working, but I did sort of just have that feeling deep down the whole time. Um, but then at the same time you have this, like, I don't want to speak that out kind of, you know, um, admit it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Matthew and his mom actually is, she's really, um, really believes in the power of words, you know, and Mm -hmm. I do too. Um, but I, tend to be more negative. So I think it seemed like I was speaking negativity by saying, if it's not going to work, it's because there's something better. I kind of have a feeling it's not going to work, right. but maybe that was God preparing me. I don't know. But anyway, so, um, we were considering adoption. Um, I don't know how much you know about adoption, but basically no adoptions are private anymore. So, uh, you have to be willing to have some sort of involvement of bio family, whatever mm. you guys work out between the two of you, like kids are allowed to know where they're from now. It's, um, wow. Yeah. Like I, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I'm not even really sure if closed adoptions exist in Canada anymore. Um, but I know it's pretty rare and basically all the adoption agencies I was looking into is like, it, it will be open, but the degree to w- which it's open is kind of up to you and the bio parents to figure out what you'd like it to be like. Um, hmm. so anyway, we were looking into that, but adoption is very expensive and we sure. did not have that many. <laughs> and, uh, the, at the time until very recently, Matthew was working for Starbucks and Starbucks actually is an incredible company company in terms of their benefits. And one of their benefits was adoption assistance for wow. up to three kids and each kid a significant amount of money. So I really don't know why we didn't jump on that, except that we obviously weren't supposed to. Um, yeah. But I don't know why there was part of me that was just like adoption takes so long and mm. you have to do a lot of things and then wait for someone to choose you. Like if you're adopting a baby, you're waiting for a bio mom to choose you and then there's that whole element of not being good enough or being rejected and wow. you just have no wow. idea how long it's going to take. And then moms can change that their is a rabbit hole. Or, yeah. So <clears throat> um, it's funny because like there's some risk in that. There's a lot more risk in foster care, but for some reason this risk <laughs> is worth it. And that wasn't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we had obviously talked about foster care, but like really had not considered it seriously. Um, in fact, so who brought it up first, Carmen, was it Um, kind of like it always floated around and you guys were exploring adoption and and kind of talking about what you wanted as a couple. And then was it, was it an outside influence or someone threw a pamphlet at you or Matt or you kind of were like, well, what about foster, you know? Well, it had definitely been tossed around before and I don't know what started, like who brought it up at that point, but 
um, there had been my sister and another friend had kept telling me that I needed to talk to this woman from our church. Hmm. And they're like, well, she fosters, but she's had these three kids forever and they're siblings. And she got them from the hospital when they're babies. And we're like, no, no, we're not fostering. Um, and then there was one day in really early February, I just found out I wasn't pregnant again and was raging. And I don't, you know, journal very frequently, like a prayer journal kind of thing, but every once in a while I do. And I remember, you know, kind of ranting at God. And then the last thing I said was like, just do something, like just do something. Just be and, active. Uh, yeah. And then the next day I'm at work and I just started looking into foster care. Like it just came out of nowhere. I just started wow. researching it and then got the name of this woman and connected with her. And over my lunch break, I was, you know, calling child and family services to just get some basic info, info and stuff. And then, um, and then sounds I, like you dove head first. Yeah, almost. I, I kind of did. Cause I mean, we've been waiting a long time and I'm like, I just, I don't know in that day. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. And in, in just that one day, God completely turned my heart. Like it went from no way I'm not fostering to like, yes, this is the right thing. And um, mm -hmm. then Matthew and I went out for dinner that night and I was like, okay, I just need you to listen to me. I think we should foster. And he's like, nope. I'm like, no, no, just, just listen. Really? He and, was closed off right away. Yeah, totally. And uh, so I'm like, just, just listen, just let me say my piece and then we can talk about it. And I don't remember everything I said. I know some of the points were, you know, we have a need and these kids have a need and we can meet each other's need. That was one of the things. Another thing was Matthew and I had both been sort of frustrated with feeling like we weren't basically being good enough Christians. Like we're like, we're not doing anything. We're not helping anybody. We're not serving really. Like we're both introverts. And so we weren't really very good at like volunteering at church and that was just kind of hitting you because of the, the kind of the circumstances around you, not pregnancy or anything, but that was just kind of the state you were in. Yeah. It was That's just what... one thing we were both feeling. And honestly, okay. like Matthew working at Starbucks, they're extremely uh, community centered. So they really help the community and help each other. And so he was just really conscious of how this company does that, but we weren't really doing it. And gotcha. Gotcha. It had just been okay. frustrating us. And so I was like, this is an opportunity for us to do something and like put our money where our mouth is really like, do we love people or don't we? And so he said in that course of my thing, whatever I said, in which I didn't talk for very long, he felt like God mm -hmm. told him to listen to his wife. And then I finished and he's like, okay, I'm like what? <laughs> so uh, literally really? in one day, both of our hearts completely turned around. And then, um, holy smokes. Yeah, it was really fast, uh, which is classic for us. Our relationship was pretty fast too. Sure. True. It's, it's quick turnarounds, right? A, a quick attraction or a quick moment. And then you're yeah. like, well, I guess this is working. Yeah, so exactly. Far. And that, okay. it, that's like being willing to listen to the Lord and just follow where he leads, you know? And right. not that I'm always really that quick to listen and be obedient, but in these cases I was. Um, and he was, and, uh, I'm so, so grateful for a husband who really like knows the voice of God really well and is Good. really great at leading me in that way. Though this was one of the cases where I led. So, um, sure. and actually I led at the beginning too. I was, I pursued him first. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I met up with this woman, had coffee with her and she had, a lot of really great things to say about foster care and her experience is unusual in the fact that like her first kid um the mom had like several kids already and so um definitely was not going home um her mom hmm. was just not able to um not she's not mentally well really and so um she had that baby and then she got two more babies from the same mom and uh, they have had some um, issues with adoption because of um, it's kind of complicated. But when children are indigenous, which yes. the vast majority of Albertan foster kids are, um, sometimes bans can prevent adoptions to Caucasian families. So, yes, we have some good friends that, that kind of went through that a few years ago as well. So no, I, I'm tracking with you. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they've had that issue. But other than that, like she's had it 
a pretty smooth sailing for foster care. Um, so looking back, I'm like, okay, that was maybe a really rosy picture of it. Um, but I left mm. that just like super pumped and was like so excited and certain that we were just going to get a baby right off the bat and all this stuff. And I remember I went to my sister's house after and was telling her everything. And she's like, we should do that. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah, that's right. This is perfect. Yeah. It's like, it's totally good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you really get into it and it's like, oh yeah, no, this is really hard. Um, but anyway, she recommended us to this or referred us to her agency, her foster care agency, which is a Christian based, faith-based agency. Um, mm. and so they basically support us and are sort of the go between us and workers and the government essentially. Um, mm. So we got started with them and then, um, so we started that in February and then we got our license by like mid August, mid to late August. License. So is there like, in order to be obviously an active being able to be, you know, assigned by the agency and stuff like that, what you don't have to camp on that too long, but how many hoops did you have to jump through? Cause I've had some people say, it's it's a decently arduous process and other people are like it, it's not as bad as everyone says so what yeah. what kind of guy the license yeah it wasn't too bad um but yeah there's definitely stuff to do so you have your first application packages and then some paperwork that you have to submit and so the first application packages is pretty basic information um i don't know what it's like when you're going directly with the government or different agencies but our agency um, we could really specify what we were open to taking into our mm. homes. So okay. we could give gender, race, age, like down to the months kind of thing. And wow. um, one of the big areas is like, what kind of issues are you willing to have your the child exposed to? So, wow. Like, How was that assessing that with, with Matt? Um, Besides just sitting down and being well, like, we were, whoa. We were really open to a lot. So um, especially because we were doing babies, things like, uh, you know, sexual abuse and, uh, drug use. Or, alcohol. Yeah. 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 That, that was relevant, but there, there was a lot of things that weren't relevant. Um, like, you know, a kid who's at risk for running away or right, who has been right. in jail or, um, I, th I think I remember being on there, like someone who was like a sexual predator and things like that. So, wow. because I mean, there's teenagers that are, you know, so, yeah. um, yep, absolutely. so there was a lot that wasn't relevant to us, but there was still a fair amount that was, and there wasn't really anything that we were like, no, we're not willing to do that. Um, so yeah, so we did that. And then you have to do your police checks, child intervention record checks and first aid. I think those were the kind of paperwork things that we had to get done. We also had mm. to, you know, give our detail of our financial situation. Um, mm. A lot of people think that you can't foster without like a lot of things like you have to be married and you have to have a, own your home and all this sort of stuff. But really you could be like a single person in an apartment building and that's fine as long as it's safe and you're financially really? stable. Okay. No, that's really good to know for, for anyone listening. And again, remember, you know, just to, to hit pause, you know, this, this is, a, I'm really excited the fact that you're willing to share your experience because I think that a lot of people, maybe you were the same, maybe it's something in the back of your mind, what, whatever life circumstance kind of leads you down this path. Because I, like I said, I have other friends that have kind of chosen this, but you can also often extinguish it because there's just too many unknown variables. You're like, mm -hmm. well, it's probably hard or yeah. expensive or, you know, so anyways, continue. But it's it's good to know where you're like, it's it's not always going to shut you down if, if you're willing, you can make a safe atmosphere. Right. Yeah, totally. And like, uh, very like recently, a few months ago, I, I posted sort of a tough love post to my community on Facebook. Like you should be fostering basically was my, the gist hmm. of it. and I got mm -hmm. a lot of feedback and several people who just messaged me questions like that. Like, do you have to be married? And I'm like, no. Wow. <laughs> so so it, the need was out there. Yeah. It was like, we're, we're, we are curious. Yeah. Okay. So basically the only things is like, you have to be over 18. If you are in a relationship, I think you have to have been in it for at least a year or two years. I can't remember. And okay. then, um, obviously Stability. your, yeah, your checks have to come back mostly like clean as can be. And then if there are issues, I'm sure they can be worked through. Like if it's not something super severe or it was a long time ago or something, you know, okay. um, okay. and especially if it doesn't involve children, you know, and then, um, 
uh, what was I going to say? Oh, just your financial situation has to be uh, that you wouldn't re rely on the money you get from fostering, which is pennies, um, to survive, basically. So Good to know. Okay. So people might think that people foster for the money and it's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's, again, really good to clarify. Yeah. People. It's not a lot. Um, so anyway, we had to do all that sort of paperwork. And then there is an orientation training. Um, an important thing to remember is that foster care is provincially legislated. So, um, and in the States as well as state legislated. So it's different everywhere. Um, but here wow. in Alberta, we have a really excellent orientation training. It's like four full days of training. So we did every Sunday wow. for a month. Um, and then someone that I know was doing it in September and they have two solid weekends of it. And it's heavy, um, but good. I was about to ask, like, yeah. you don't have to go through all of it, but would, would, is it like a brace yourselves or yeah, is it like... A little okay. bit. I think they really want you to come in and get a good idea of it because they don't want you to go in blind. And they yeah. said, they joke, um, they'll often have couples where like one is kind of dragging the other in and then it's usually reversed by the end. Um, wow. But a really interesting thing that I noticed in the training, because we're all together for four days, so we get to know each other a little bit. And literally every single couple, at least one of them was a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, a firefighter, a policeman, uh, you mm. know, sorts of things like that, like in a helping field and in a field where you get exposed to those sorts of things. Like there were several teachers who was like, I've seen enough of of this and I need to help wow. more. So wow. That was kind of interesting. And yeah, for Very. us, like I was like, there were social workers in there and then, yeah, I'm working to be a psychologist. So kind of fit the mold of people yes, who yeah. are helpers. Um, so the training is rough. Um, it's really just, they do, I guess, try to scare you, but just so that you're not being blind, I guess. Um, but they break your hearts too, right? So that you can't really walk away and be like, well, I didn't know. Like, they didn't tell me that this was going to be this intense or yeah. that things could go. So okay. Yeah. All right. And so that, you know, that if you choose not to do it, it's like, well, you, you know, like, you know what you're walking away from, you know, who you're abandoning and what you're abandoning them to. Um, wow. So it's wow. kind of hard to walk away from, I, I would think. Um, so yeah, the training is, uh, for me, it wasn't super insane because of my education. Nothing was like mind-blowing i had never heard of that sort of stuff before sure but definitely still some shock factors and in, in stories kind of yeah um uh but anyway you've that orientation training is like you haven't made any commitments it's really just so that it, you get a clear picture of what's going on and then good after that you can move forward with your home assessment so the home assessment is probably one of the harder parts um so we had a woman come in, a social worker come into our house, I think a few times, uh, and basically really, really, really in-depth interviews. And um, there was actually parts where she made us separate from each other so that we would be fully honest with her without the wow. person in the room. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I literally like, you chronicle your life. I talked about all significant relationships in my life, significant things that happened, where I grew up, my parents, like everything. And you talk about big things. Like I had, um, I think it was eight or nine years ago, this, just this past week, um, my dad's sister went missing and we actually never found her, but this was a really, that was like a big trauma for my life. And sure, sure. So all sorts of things that can affect you and, um, talking about your health in a lot of different ways. And then everything you get talked to, you talk about gets scaled. So, um, <laughs> yes, basically for like how safe you are or if it's a risk factor and then sure. it gets corrected based on what you're doing if it's a risk factor. So um, if you get a one on something, that means it's actually like a strength for you. And then if you get, I think a five, it's like, this is a really big deal. You know? Red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was a few higher ones for me. Like I think the highest one I got was four and that would be things for like my mental health or my family's mental health because we have some sure. health issues. Um, sure. but then they would be corrected because I would go to a therapist and I'm on medication and you know, those sorts of things. And so it gets corrected down to a three 
Um, and I'm not really sure if there's a quota of how many you can have high or whatnot, but um, yeah, it was interesting. Like the areas where Matthew and I each got, a, we each got one like strength and his was flexibility because he is just so chill and like rolls with the punches. And then I think mine was communication skills or something like that. No, really? (laughs) Yeah. Really? So, um, yeah, so it was, it's interesting. We still have it in our filing cabinet. It's this giant home assessment on us. Um, Everything about our lives, basically. And it's funny because Matthew, like, grew up as a missionary and has all these huge things that happened to him. But his life story is so short compared to mine because I just go into way too much detail about it. It's all important. Um, that's okay. Well, let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. So you're going through these home assessments and, and kind of moving forward. I don't want to jeopardize your time because I know that we also want to make sure we, we kind of get into where you're at now and, mm-hmm. and with, with your kids. So let me ask you this. If you, unless there's anything else you want to touch on through this portion of it, take, um, take, yeah, go for it first. I would and just then... say the only other thing that's a big thing in your home assessment is they really do actually like examine your house. <laughs> And everything. Wow. Like okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, what would we be some key pointers to people if they're like, so if I'm going through this home assessment, what are they really looking for? What are they really sticky on? Well, there's just some things that we found surprising, like um, your water heater has to be turned down to medium. Um, okay. Because you okay. don't want kids to turn on the tap and burn themselves. Or you have to have a home phone and we're like, we have babies. Why do they need, you know, it's basically so that a child will be able to call somebody if they need and it's like we have babies (laughs) but we still have to do it so okay yeah there's lots of random stuff but you definitely like a social worker could show up at my house and inspect my home so you have to like keep on top of stuff and then have your home in order yeah and that gets you get a re-inspection every year so we just finished ours to get re-licensed so okay yeah okay well then let me ask you this thing because we're going to skip a few then because i really want to get you know what with the time we have left i want to jump to where you've kind of gone through it. So then walk me through this then. So first, well, if you don't mind, just you can give us uh, your your beautiful kids' uh, aliases, the wonderful <laughs> nicknames that I love. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So who who are the kids right now that are are your kids? Right. So right now we have Big J, uh, who at first was Baby J. She was our very first. She's almost two. Um, oh we got goodness. her at five weeks old. And wow. then um, when she was... 11 months, we got Little Prince, also at five weeks old, and he is still with us as well. And then just this past week, um, Big J's little brother, so uh, Little J, moved in with us. Um, we've known about him since he was two weeks old, but unfortunately, we couldn't have him in our home until just this past week. So, Whoa, So, because I guess I was mistaken. I thought that you had had three for a while, so this has just happened. Yeah, we we had him for visits because we know the family who had him, and so we would do respite for them. And so right. we've had him. I've known him since he was two weeks old and stuff, and I see him. I would see him kind of weekly because he has a joint visit with Big J and their mom. I'm so scared I'm going to use their real names. No, no, don't worry. And, and you're safe too then, Carmen. I got your back. Okay. Don't you worry. Um, so. so anyway, so I've seen him and I'm really happy to finally have him in our home. But it's very hard to have missed so much because I've loved him really longer than the other ones because I knew his mom was pregnant. And so. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, it was harder. So take me take me to this crucial moment then, Carmen. So you and Matt, you've gone through all these obstacles, all these hurdles. You've gone through the home assessment. You've gone through the questionnaires, the assessments. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. The orientation even, it sounds like they really needed to make sure you were vetted. Yeah. The only word that comes to mind for me is vetted. Totally. Um, so you get the very first little J. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't have to take us through that day, but... When that happened, what was it instantaneous? Was it a shock to your system? Like, okay, like how, how did you adapt? Take me through those first, I don't know if you say weeks, months, whatever was the biggest learning curve, but take me through that entry period for lack of a better term. Um, so with her, um, all of our kids actually were born prenatally exposed to, uh, street, like heavy street drugs. Um, so, or hard street drugs, I guess. Um, so she was in pretty serious withdrawals. We met her at five weeks old and at the time they thought she'd be going home in a few days, but she actually Mm. didn't leave until eight weeks old. So, um, Mm. I spent every day for three weeks in the NICU with her. 
Wow. Um, and very, very special few weeks of my life. And <clears throat> kind of a funny Why so? Thing. Why do you say that? Um, well, just because I think I got to just be alone with her and bond with her because I didn't have the nine months prior and, um, no. you know, of her growing inside of me and that right. sort of stuff. So um, I think that was really important for us to have. And Matthew wow. actually had the very first week off of that randomly. He had booked a random week off to use that vacation days quite a while before. And it happened to land right when we Awesome. So totally totally Jesus there. Um, So the day that I met her, Matthew wasn't with me. Um, I went to the NICU and met with some nurses and social workers to talk things through. And um, then (laughs) went to her room and like, it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't this powerful connection because really, yeah. I, Cause I was wondering, I was waiting for it. I'm like, is this, is this going to be like, and as I walk yeah. through the threshold as I, so what happened then? Well, yeah. Like I was expecting a moment, like when I saw my niece's picture for the first time, but absolutely was not like that because I walk in with these nurses I've just met and some social workers and this baby that I have no connection to is placed in my arms. And Sure. And I think if I had been alone, maybe it would have been different, but there was these people here. So I just, right. um, I just snuggled her and looked at her and I took a couple photos and, you know, one of the workers was like, so how does it feel Carmen? And I'm like, pretty good. And it did feel good, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're my daughter. Like this is everything. Yeah. And the other big thing was like her mom and dad were com- coming and going from the hospital. So like, they literally could have walked in at any time. So I was like, this is just a quick snuggle <laughs> kind of thing. Um, Parameters weren't really like, this is happening, so to speak. Like she's kind of quote unquote mine to take care of. It was kind of like, well, I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm available. Right. Exactly. Okay. And the papers hadn't been signed yet. And so my worker almost didn't want me to meet her that day because she's like, we have to get all the papers signed. Nothing's guaranteed. Support you need beforehand. So don't sure. get too attached kind of thing. Um, but uh, I did have a moment, um, right before I left when I was looking at her and I was like, you look like an Eklenkamp baby, which is my maiden name. She actually looked a lot like my niece did as a baby. And my niece looked a lot like I did as a baby. And so I had a moment where I was like, you fit. Um, and then super funny. I went to see my older sister and her kids afterward and we're walking through a parking lot and I showed her the picture of the baby just casually. And this is the sister whose niece I like burst into tears when I saw her picture for the first time. Right. And my sister, who's way less emotional than me, burst into tears and was like, I love her so much. So we had the instantaneous moment um, with my daughter that I had with hers and I didn't even have it with my daughter. So it's kind of cool. Um, But yeah, the first few weeks were a huge learning curve because I was not yet a mom. I was not a foster mom prior to this. I had never done the whole NICU thing. And then I also had to learn about how to manage her withdrawal symptoms and how to give her morphine and all that sort of stuff. And there was Mm. definitely a few moments where doctors or nurses during rounds would be like, oh, you've never done this before? I'm like, nope, I'm new. And they're like, okay. Like clearly didn't really have a lot of faith in me. Good grief. Um, just because uh, there's this thing with foster care um, called like level one and level two. So when you're a brand new foster family, you're level one, you can have up to two kids and they can't really have any significant health concerns. And then after you're done a bunch of training, you can be bumped up to level two and you can have four kids or you can have you know less kids, but with more significant health concerns. And then each child is also ranked as level one and level two. So Big J <laughs> was uh, a, a level two baby. And so um, we were brand new. So we really shouldn't have had her, but n- nobody else wanted her. And uh, um, they thought that we could do it because it was just us. There was no other kids in our home and I was at home studying and she really needed a quiet environment. So, yeah. So they were, the workers were confident that we could do it, but the medical team, I guess, because they didn't know me and know my story and Matthew's story. Uh, sure. Sure. Thought that we were inexperienced and we were, but we learned. So, yeah. So then how with, with Matt and, and going through that with, with little Jay mm-hmm. and then with the addition of kids, we won't skip to that yet, mm-hmm. but 
walk me through the evolution of you and Matt kind of becoming, well, for lack of a better term, insta parents, yeah. right? You 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 went from we can do whatever we want whenever we want mm-hmm. to holy smokes, like this is it. And I would dare say too, as as a foster parent, you you do have the complexities of the heart. That's the only way I can really state it myself is it's not just being a parent. Yeah. You you have so many other factors like the the the, the bio parents. You have the visits. You have the assessments. Um, maybe treatment down the road. So mm-hmm. while this is happening, you've got your babies now. Obviously, they're not very old. All mm-hmm. three of them under, are, are under three, but under two, kind of under two. Yeah. Okay, well, geez, yeah, God have is, mercy on you. <laughs> Big J is two uh, August tenth. So getting oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> so with that being assessed. Wait, how how did you guys handle it? What what were the biggest adjustments, and what were the parts where you're like, dang, yeah. like we we doing okay, you know? And it, Matt's got this, I got that. Like, how to walk me through that for people that are like, how was it? Mm-hmm. How was the first six months? Like, what what were the real things that hit you where you're like, oh, I I had no idea until I experienced it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I like what you said about, you know, this isn't just parenting because I remember like all the time when we drive home from orientation training, we're like this is not comparing apples to apples. It's not comparing apples to oranges. It's comparing apples to a semi-truck is what I used to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's literally, it's not, it's barely the same thing as parents. It's not the same conversation. Yeah. Um, so there was some really big moments first, the first week or two of the hospital because she was not doing well. And um, yeah, that was really hard. It was extremely hard to like, not be able to take her home and just love her. And, uh, cause the right wasn't there as well. Yeah. Too, and, and she just, she it, couldn't right? leave. Like she was not ready at all. Um, mm, okay. So I remember we, she was in the hospital right by West Edmonton mall and we took a break and went over and had lunch in West Ed and we were looking at each other and he's like, so this is why people don't do this <laughs> because wow. it, it was really hard. Just like so emotionally hard. And, uh, the paperwork aspects, like we weren't allowed to buy anything for her yet because they needed to get the paperwork done so that we would have funding and all this sort of stuff. Like we could buy stuff for her, but we just wouldn't get any reimbursement. And I mean, I am a shopaholic, so I did buy stuff for her, but, um, you know, we were limited in what we could do. Um, so we definitely had a shock of like, okay, this is, this is hard. And I get why people don't do this. Um, but as far as the heart issues go, like, we're coming into a new age in foster care where the party line is no longer like, don't get attached. It's actually get attached, risk your heart. Um, because parents need walk us through that. Where, where's that evolution? Where, why, why that change? Well, the old way of foster care, they literally moved kids every time they started to settle in, um, so that the kids wouldn't get attached to parents that they couldn't keep. And Jeez. it was, it's horrible. It's really horrible. There was generations of kids that were messed up, messed up by yeah. the government. Um, but now with the increased understanding of attachment and how that works, um, it's changed significantly. And there are still people, older people, um, in the, who've been in the social work field for a long time who tell mm. us not to get our, to guard our hearts is one of the things And every time someone tells me that, I'm like, no, (laughs) because my kids need to know that I'm attached to them for them to attach to me. That's how attachment works. Parents are attached to their kids. And it's a two way street. Exactly. And if I'm not willing to do that, then why am I even, why am I even pretending I'm their mom? Because that's what parents do. They attach to their kids and love them. And the whole reason I have these kids is because their parents aren't in a place that they can give them what they need. So I need to give them what they need. Um, and I think with Big J, like we had been waiting a long time. And so, yeah, we were Insta parents, but like we'd been waiting and we were ready. And uh, mm. taking her home was just the most exciting thing. And um, we definitely, it was the first child thing where you like, you know, call the doctor with every every concern that you have. And she had added, right. added health complications and everything, but we were very know very first parenty with her then yeah um, of course really yeah. much with the other two but um yeah i think to us it was just it was finally our baby like we had a baby shower for her and you know 
yeah, I don't know. A lot of people knew we were waiting and everybody was rejoicing with us. So it felt just kind of normal. Um, but then you, there was paperwork and meetings. And then with her, we had kind of an odd thing that's not normal. Um, when she got out of the hospital, they let us have a month before they resumed her parents seeing her. Um, mm. which I've now learned mm. is not normal, but we got a lot of time to really settle in with her. So it, wow. it was significantly wow. different than the other two. So would it be fair to say that a part of it is eventually instinctual parenting? You just do it. You, you got to account for the amount of time it takes to get out of the, out of the house to go do errands. You, you got to account for the snacks, the, the diapers, mm -hmm. the things you have to bring with you. But then there's that complete other side of that world where it's like, you also have to be ready for the visits. You also yeah. have to be ready for the paperwork and stuff like that. So was it, was a part of it like, well, it's not, well, how do you guys parents, you know, it, I don't get why people keep asking us, how do we do it? Well, how are you guys yeah. taking care of your kids? Do you ever get that sensation where you're like, it's, it's not as huge of a, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you segmented as part of it's like, no, it's parenting. Yeah. Like, these are my kids. But the other part of it, it, do you compartmentalize? Does that help you at all? Or do you kind of put it all together because you have to take it as the whole package, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so many things I wanted to say on what you were just saying. Um, well, you can do all of it. You, you <laughs> yeah, get to I'm choose. You can even where... backtrack and be like, Russ, I'm ignoring what you're saying. That's fine. <laughs> I just want to decide where to start. Um, let's see. So I won't lie. There was like, um, the exhaustion of becoming a parent. Um, she wasn't a really bad sleeper or anything like that, but of this 24 seven consciousness of another human being and yes. of when they ate yes. and when they slept and when you last changed their diaper. And, and then on top of that with her, she was having morphine and another medication all the time. And I literally had to like do it like clockwork. I had a million alarms sent set in my phone wow. and sign a med log all the time. So, wow, um, Carmen, there was a lot to remember. <laughs> One time I misplaced my diaper bag in winners and I'm like, Janelle, her morphine is in there. And she's like, nobody is going to steal a diaper bag looking for morphine. <laughs> That's that <is> true. But <laughs> I'm like, it's so important. Still aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there was a lot to just be conscious of and that was exhausting for sure. And I think I hit sort of a crash when she was maybe about nine months old or so for eight months where I was like, I have not slept through the night and you know, yes. months and months and months and yes. your body does adjust to it, but it's still exhausting for sure. Um, but yeah, you, you get used to it. You get used to the fact that it takes longer to leave the house and stuff like that. Um, but that's just normal parenting, but the things like the visits that was excruciating. Like I can't even really? describe, I still have it. Um, watching a worker walk away from my house with my kid in a car seat and, they always carry it so that my child is looking back at me and Ugh. it's Ugh. horrible. And they're usually Ugh. not like upset, but I just feel this terrible, terrible feeling. And they don't totally know. They're like, Oh, there's, there's mom or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. walking when you're reverse. You're like, ah, you know, yeah. and there's definitely been times where it's not great. Um, I remember there was a phase with all of them because they go through like a normal separation anxiety phase at, um, about, eight months or so where it's helpful sure. for them to feel that way, but where they would cry for sure. And my daughter actually, for a while, there was one particular worker who always picked her up and she would cry as soon as she saw her. Um, even Aww. when it wasn't for that, like, cause she'd come to doctor's appointments and stuff. She knew. Um, yeah, totally. So that was Ugh. really hard. And I, I literally would cry every single time and I would text Matthew and I would text my mom and I would <laughs> totally be crying. Um, and then you get this really messed up thing where you, especially as a Christian, like, I want to pray for my kids' parents to get it together. But I also am like, I'd be okay with you not getting it together because I want to keep her. <laughs> now you hit something perfect because yeah. you've, you've posted about this kind of sporadically, but several times mm -hmm. throughout your journey where it's, it's like the battle of two hearts. Yeah. And I, I read an article that you'd posted, or maybe it was... Uh, maybe it was Foster the Family Blog, but it was about the other mom, mm -hmm. right? It's 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 not – it's you can't just categorize it and be like, well, she's she's not adequate, and you just can't block that out. And at the same mm -hmm. time, you're like, I want her to get it together. I want yeah. wholeness. Yeah. But then that means brokenness in my mind. You can't have one and not hurt the other. Yeah. So how how do you – 
you know, I don't mean to kibosh where you were going, mm-hmm. but at the same time, how do you deal with that reality? Because I think you hit it on the head. You're doing this from the very beginning. You and Matt became foster parents to help, to to grow, to love, to impart, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not, no one's, I, I would hope at least, people aren't going into foster parenting like, well, yeah, let's just see how it goes and, you know, kind of figure it out. It's like, I, I see the need. Yeah. And especially after that orientation. And so when you guys are now trying to do this and love, how do you keep yourself open? If I may be so blunt, how do you keep yourself so open to pain like that? And at the same time, have to push in the opposite direction and be like, I got to love on my kids. I got to make sure they know that I'm there for like, how do you do that? Uh, it's all just Jesus. <laughs> um, mm. Like even when people just ask like, how do I balance all three kids? It's like, it's literally just Jesus. Um, so what do you mean by that? Like, how, how does that help you? You know, like, um, well, a really big thing that I've been learning in the last few months is, you know, that phrase that people say all the time of God won't give you more than you can handle. Right. Um, yes. That's if I may say this, that's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> um, come I on. Absolutely hate that phrase. Um, because if you read the Bible, uh, he does that all the time. Because mm-hmm. that's where he gets to show up and show how he loves us and show his glory. And um, that's can't literally like where he wants you. And um, so I'm like, hey, I am where I'm supposed to be. Like I am in a place that is completely overwhelming that I absolutely cannot do on my own. There's just no way. And so I have to just rely on him completely. And I even remember very early on with baby J, big J, that I was like, well, I don't have a choice. I just have to trust you completely. Like there literally is no other option. Um, and so I think there is just a grace that comes on us to do it. It's not really conscious. You just do it. And that's not to say that we don't cry or, you know, have moments of doubt or heartbreak, but, um, it's just all this, like, as my pastor says, um, God super comes on our natural and that's how we do it. Um, yeah, it's not really, it's not normal. It's not natural. Foster care is not, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't have to be there, but it is. And so the only way to do it is to let Jesus do his thing. Wow. And so obviously, like you said, with, with that amount of balancing, I guess is the right term. You, you've got your three beautiful kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, like, and I've, I've read, I didn't read up on this just because I was like, I'm going to talk to, I'm, I'm genuinely a curious and B being able to watch your kind of journey with Matt from afar. And then I have, I have other friends, good friends of mine, um, who, who've gone through this. They actually were able to adopt their, mm-hmm. their first two boys. They awesome. it took forever. The band cooperated and they were able to, and it's very, very cool to see, but she, you know, her name is Megan. She's commented on several times too the the brokenness you have to experience every day, mm-hmm. where it's you are aware of why you are a parent right now. Yeah. And at the same time, you also want to make sure that you you want the you want healing and restoration on the other side, mm-hmm. right? And so so let me steer you finally to this this last benchmark because I know we've glossed over a lot. And heck, I'll just invite you if you want to have another one, Carmen. You yeah. just let me know. We'll have you back to discuss more because I'm hoping we're going to get questions. So I'm going to quickly plug this for everyone listening to this. Um, reach out, like Carmen said too. She's she's very active on social media. She's very fun, but also dang, if she doesn't hit you in the feels occasionally with some of her (laughs) updates. Um, but reach out this Ross fam. You can also reach out to me, uh, Russ rants and Russ rants one on Twitter, but send us questions. If you have any and reach out to Carmen and just say, Hey, I I heard of the podcast or I've, I've checked out your story. These are some concerns I have because these are, this is real. This is a a real thing that Carmen and and her, you know, her and her, her husband, Matt have bravely decided to do. And this might be a topic where you might have played with in the back of your mind or you just wanted to ask questions. It doesn't sound to me, Carmen, like you are not willing to disclose <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. The, the journey you've gone through. So here, I'm going to steer you to this final area. You, you've worked so hard at also being a student. I marvel when you post on Instagram, you're holding a coffee or something and you've got like, you're like, I, I just, just, just that don't just don't care face on. And the kids are napping and then someone wakes up in the middle of their nap. You've got this big fat textbook on your lap. Yeah. And so you've balanced it. So this is obviously very passionate though, is your mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. psychology. 
Um, I am going to push you in that direction. How do these two worlds collide? Oh, with, in with so many be- ways. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you can you can hash at it here be- before we close. I want to give you adequate time to talk about something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how is this a built you up more in why you're like, well, this is totally why I got into this stuff. And also how at the same time you're like, how, how is this kind of growing you as a parent (laughs) to kind of do both ways? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I've spent a lot of time feeling like I have two really like conflicting people inside of me. Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. All of my siblings, I always say I am the most who is like exactly like my mom and exactly like my dad at the exact same time. So like my mom, I am like a bleeding heart and I just have like really high empathy and all that sort of stuff. But like my dad, I am a total intellectual and love learning and I'm a total geek. So I often felt like these things just don't fit together. Um, But they totally do like collide together perfectly in both the field that I've chosen and in foster care. So, um, psychology is like, it really is very equally an art and a science. And so, um, I never really liked science growing up, but I actually love it now, um, in as far as how the brain works and how it develops. And so even though I have absolutely zero desire to be a child therapist or a counselor, Um, it really affects how I parent and how I view children. And, um, I think a lot of people don't like how Matthew and I parent. Um, and the complicating thing with us is we have limitations on how we can parent as foster parents. There's certain things that we can and cannot do. And so sometimes, you know, I've had people say like, is that you or is that the rules? Um, but Matthew and I are like, no, I'm pretty sure this is how we'd parent if it was us too. Um, Hmm. especially knowing what I know about child development and whatnot. So, um, I think, you know, everybody gets training as a foster parent. Um, but I go into training and often know what they're talking about already. And there, I definitely still get tidbits out of it. And Matthew and I both love training. I think most people hate it and we absolutely love it. We have training tomorrow. We're very excited. Um, but, (laughs) uh, for me, it's always like, I'm just learning a couple new things that really blow my mind and help me understand my kids. And, um, there's a hard thing with our kids because they're so young. Um, people think that they won't remember the things that have happened to them. And, um, Hmm. that's actually the biggest problem is, um, that they won't remember because trauma happens in the womb, um, already. Like there's, First of all, I believe spiritually and emotionally, there's rejection and things like that already happening, happening between mother and child. But then also biologically, um, these moms are experiencing drugs, homelessness, abusive relationships, really high stress. Um, so let's just look at stress on its own. Uh, the stress hormones in your body, like cortisol are actually, uh, research is now showing are actually just as bad for a baby as alcohol. So, um, has a massive impact on how babies develop. And, um, basically my kids, their moms had all of the risk factors. And so even though my children right now don't remember any of that sort of stuff, their bodies do. And the things that happen right now, like, um, when my kids go on visits, how do I ever teach my kids about stranger danger when there's strangers showing up all all the time and taking them every single day? Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that really interfere with being able to raise my kids well. Um, Visits interfere with their nap schedules. And um, when my kids get a break in their their visit schedule, like my son has right now, I get to see them get healthy and happy. And like literally during breaks, my kids um, all of a sudden meet these physical milestones that they hadn't been meeting before, which none of my kids are delayed, but it's like, it can't be a coincidence that every time there's an extended break, my kids mm-hmm. start crawling or start pulling themselves up or start sleeping through the night or, you know, sure. different things like that. Sure. So their lives have so much dysregulation in them. Um, and I believe a lot of it is spiritual and emotional. And I mean, babies hear their mom's voices 
So when they see their moms for visits, there's part of them inside of them that's like, oh, there's something different about you than everybody else. Like, there's something that I remember. And um, there's so much I could say. <laughs> but, no, it's okay. Um, and again, you you can feel free. We we can have you back. Yeah, that's not a problem. Totally, but totally. how how is this? If there's one key thing, like you said, you're you're two people in mm-hmm. one. You're you're both sides of your parents. Um, and at the same time, I, I kind of felt like you, you would also, I, I know that if I was in your shoes, maybe I would struggle with being the assessor, like, oh, I know psychologically what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then the mother, yeah. well, it doesn't matter what's happening. I know what I need to do. Yeah. So how, how do they a accent each other, but B, how do they also conflict one another if they do? Right. Maybe they don't. I would say mostly they, um, work together because I know what's happening and I have the power to, um, do the opposite to communicate the opposite to my kids as much as possible. There's definitely huge frustrations when I can't, like no matter how many times I tell workers uh, how much visits are messing with my kid, they'll keep doing them. And that sucks. But when they're with me to be able to pour everything I've got into them, um, to pray over them and to snuggle them like crazy. And um, I am a soft parent. I don't bring the hammer down pretty much ever with my kids. And I, mm. part of that is because they have trauma and part of it is just because I don't really, they're toddlers. I don't really, I don't really think that they need that right now. They need to know that I'm sure that I'm safe. So, sure. um, so I think it's really great for me to like, not be driven by my bleeding heart. I don't, uh, choose to hug my daughter when she does something wrong and explain something calmly to her because I'm scared to punish her. I do it because I understand the effect of one versus the other. Um, sure. So I think that the knowledge that I have, the education that I have works into um, me being able to love my kids well. Sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. Awesome answer. And so this is my final thought and I'll, I'll let you end with this. Um, evidently, you know, here at the restaurants podcast, we, I'm trying to foster an environment where it is a conversation mm-hmm. and we're, we're coming up with, um, an episode in the next few weeks where it's, it's called don't walk away from the table. Mm-hmm. Basically it's going to be about how different beliefs, religions, and, and systems shouldn't, you know, create the environment where we just choose to not acknowledge each other exists. Right. It's not how it works. It, it's not the way the world works. It's not the way that we grow. It's not the way that we get healthier. So you and I are obviously both people of faith, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, we, we are uh, evidently we're very obvious Christians. We, we believe in what we believe very strong. Um, at the same time, we do know that there are some people, there are some listeners and there are people out there genuinely curious. And, and, you know, I think that a lot of what you've touched on is very helpful. Um, if there's one piece of very practical advice that you'd have to say to, or a practical message to anyone, all faiths and beliefs of this journey that you've gone on, um, what would be something you'd give them? You wish you'd known in advance. Well, I wish someone had come by and just told me, look, Hey, this is, this is what you need to be ready for, regardless of what you believe, or what would be something that you would give to anyone that's really like legitimately thinking about foster parenting? Um, I don't know if this is practical advice, but this is just what I feel like I'm supposed to say. Sure. Sure. um, Just be brave. Um, wow. You know, a lot of people say this, but do it scared. There's a lot of things in life, like becoming a parent or getting married, that you're never going to be ready for. There literally is never going to come a time that you feel 100% ready. You've got this. That's the biggest things in life don't have that. So um, if you feel like this is what you're supposed to do, like jump in. Because if, if there's any part of you that feels like you can help, you can. And even if you feel like uh, you'll get too attached and you'll get too broken. That would make you an amazing foster parent because that's what kids need from you. Holy smokes. <laughs> well done. Well condensed as well. Um, I'm just going to say this. I, first off, it, it's been a privilege. Like I, like I said, I, I messaged you guys just so you guys all, all know. I, I randomly just out of it was like, Hey Carmen, <laughs> you're, this is crazy. What you guys are doing. It's amazing. You documented so well. I I'm so invested in your family. <laughs> hey, you want to be on this podcast? You might not even know exists. And you're <laughs> like, uh, sure. Let me look at my schedule. I'm like, sweet. All right. So, uh, I just want to give again, Carmen, thank you so much. This is, this is, a pleasure for me because a great topic, but also you and Matt, it's been forever. And just being able to hear your heart is so refreshing. 
Um, at, at the same time, I, I just want to plug it, guys. Uh, check her out. Uh, Instagram, this Ross fam. Uh, you can also look up the hashtag this Ross fam. You'll probably find some stuff. But um, there's also just um, a few good resources. If there's anything else, if there's someone else that um, or website or anything that you direct them to, Carmen, I do personally like Foster the Family blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good account on Instagram. Um, they're just so cool. Yeah. Uh, they've got now they've got four kids right now, and no, they've got three kids bio, and the fourth is their foster, I think, right now. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, just a really cool account, you guys. They're very open, um, open ended. They they just talk about a lot of stuff, write a lot of posts. Um, are there any other resources that you'd quickly shout out, Carmen? Anything like that for people that are curious? Uh, yeah. There's also another one, Jason Johnson blog. Um, he is also an advocate for foster care, comes at it from a Christian perspective. Um, and yeah, those two are are some of the biggest ones, but there are tons of amazing foster parents on Instagram. And, uh, a lot of them I have again, become very invested in their stories like you. Um, and there's one in particular that I message with all the time and she's not a Christian. So (laughs) a, a lot of them are. But there's definitely ones that aren't. And it's really interesting to see things from other people's perspectives as well. Awesome. Incredible. So, no, seriously, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Russ Rants podcast. Again, uh, comments, concerns, questions, any ideas for, for future episodes, please feel free to hit me up. Uh, Instagram, Russ Rants, and Twitter, Russ Rants 1. You can also message me at gmail.com at russrantsreal at gmail.com. Uh, any questions, stories, stuff like that. Carmen, again, thank you so, so very much. What a pleasure. And to everyone, I wish you guys a good week. And just a quick note uh, while I'm talking about it that I'll actually be taking a two-week break from the Russ Rants podcast just to get caught up on some stuff. Don't you worry about it. It's going to be real exciting. Uh, you're not going to regret it. But at the same time, I want to let you know that uh, two weeks' time, our next episode will be with the incredible Pat Thompson. He's going to share his story about him and his son and actually his really his whole family's journey through the struggle and the victory over addictions. So stay tuned for that. I wish you all a great two weeks. We'll crush it. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Russ Rants. It has been a pleasure. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Please feel free to subscribe to support. And you can find me on Twitter at Russ Rants number one, Instagram, which is Russ Rants, and email, which is russrantsreal at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Take care. I <laughs>